greatest things that, uh, maybe the greatest thing that Southern Baptists have ever come up with. The Vacation Bible School is responsible for, for more people coming to, to faith, uh, at least in America, than probably any other thing we've ever done. And also, responsible because of that, is fueled missions all over the world. It's the domino effect in the kingdom. And so if you have a grandchild, a neighbor, or somebody, invite them to sign up for Vacation Bible School at First Baptist Church, Bay St. Louis, and tell them it's going to be wild. Wild, okay? We may have an elephant walk the aisle the Sunday after. Uh, we may not. But you never know. You never know. Be ready. I'd like to invite you to turn in your Bible to the book of Matthew. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. As you're turning there, I want to uh, embarrass someone. Um, today with us uh, is our interim student minister. Today is his first day. He's here for the summer to help us uh, with, with our students, taking them to camp and helping uh, teach, preach on Wednesday nights and whatnot. But I'm going to ask him to stand up right now, Trail Hinton. Everybody give Trail a hand for coming and serving the Lord. Trail, uh, I'm just going to embarrass him more. Um, he was BSU president. Anybody know what the BSU is? Some people know what that is. Our, our collegiate ministry on the campus of Pearl River Community College this past year. He was the BSU president. And last summer, he was a summer missionary out in uh, Las Vegas with Pastor Rob Boyd. You guys know Rob Boyd? Uh, he was in our church and miss, uh, his dear brother in the Lord. And so he served last summer. Uh, alongside Pastor Rob and had a phenomenal summer. And I believe in July, one week, you're going to go uh, see see that church again. And so you pray uh, for Trail uh, this summer as he helps fill in and help us with our students and our families. And so if you're a youth parent, please go by and say hey to him, encourage him. And also, uh, he may need some places to spend the night the next few nights. Uh, his schedule probably is going to be something like a Sunday through through a Wednesday night. And so uh, he lives, I believe, about two hours from here, and so that's a long drive. So if we can help provide some places for Trail to stay, that would be awesome. And so uh, if you want to sign up, please just talk to the church office tomorrow. You can talk to Rebecca or Karen in the office. Okay. All right. The parable of responsibility. This is part three of our series, Money and Hell. Now, don't get too excited when you hear Money and Hell. Money and hell are the two things that Jesus talked about the most. You know that? In the Gospels. The Lord, these topics came up more than any other topic, money and hell. Yet, these are the two topics that we talk about the least. These are the two things that we, we hear about the least in Sunday school, and we hear about the least oftentimes in sermons. But the Lord Jesus talked about those two things because he understood that money, how he how we handle money is, is a great, uh, it gives great proof to what God has done in our life. And uh, there's nothing wrong with having possessions until they possess you, until your possessions possess you. And so today we see, uh, we're looking at the parable of the talents. I'm calling it the parable of responsibility. Matthew chapter 25, verses 24, all the way through verse 30. If we can, I'd like us just to be quiet and just in our own uh, little bubble there in, our, in your chair. Take your Bible, if you have a Bible, and, and just maybe hold it in your lap. 
And uh, if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We have uh, the word on the screen. We'll have it up there, Matthew 25, 14 through 30. And so let's just right now just say a prayer to the Lord. And you can pray, obviously, whatever you want to pray. But if I were you, just say something like this. Father, I believe this is your word. Just declare that faith. God, I believe that this is your holy word. And God, I believe you can speak to me through it. And so, Father, I pray that you would open my mind and my ears to hear from you now. So let's just pray that silently to ourselves. Father, we believe that this is your word. God, we just don't ask casually, but Father, we beg you. God, many people here, they need to hear a word. God, we need to hear from you. We don't need to hear from a person. God, we need to hear from heaven. So Father, we know that primarily you choose to speak through your word. So God, we say thank you that we have it in our language. What a privilege. God, pray that you would by the power of the Holy Spirit, speak to your people. Encourage those that are discouraged. Break the chains of darkness on people's lives. Set the captives free. Heal those that are hurting. And God, we ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Matthew twenty-five fourteen. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one, he gave five talents. How many talents? Five. To another, two. And to another one, to another one, sorry, not another one, but one talent to that last third servant. To each according to his ability. And then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them. And he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received one talent, and look what this third servant did. He went and he dug in the ground and he hid his master's money. And now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more and saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents More. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. And here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done 
good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed. He's asking a question. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. That place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. Oftentimes when Jesus taught a parable, it was based upon true events. And so here in this passage, it's really a summary of life. You see, the Lord is talking about a whole person's life. It says the kingdom of God is like this. It's like a servant, I mean a master, and he's got three servants. Now, we saw that one servant, he was given how many talents? The first one? Five. The second servant was given how many? Two. And the last one? One. Okay, so we understand we've got the characters here in this parable. How much was a talent? Glad you asked. It was over... For us, it would be over $600,000. $600,000, that's a lot of money. It, would be a, it was 75 pounds of gold. It was the highest form of currency throughout the Roman Empire. 75 pounds. Ladies, you could not carry that in your purse. Some of you men are saying, you should see my wife's purse. Purses are funny, aren't they? My great-grandmother, her name was Osie. And we'd go out to eat with her, and she grew up in the Depression, and so she had her purse, and there was all kind of stuff in the purse. But when we left to eat at a restaurant, if she had food left over, she, I remember specifically seeing some fried chicken. She folded up in a bunch of napkins and put it in her purse. I mean, that's what she grew up in the Depression. She put it right next to her tobacco snuff, right next to it. But you could not carry this, this gold, 75 pounds, in, in your purse. Now, a strong, really strong man, he could carry two talents. But it would be, he'd be working a lot. And he wouldn't go very far. But he could do it. Very strong. Jeffrey, you probably could do it. Jeffrey Grendel, you probably could take, handle that. 75 pounds. So that, so that one guy, do the math. Five talents, each one about 75 pounds, times over $600,000. Now what happened? 
Well, the guy with the five talents, he went and he invested it. Now, the word talent here, it is talking about money, but I believe the Lord's talking about a whole lot more than money. Time. He's, he's, he's given his servants responsibility and resources. Time, energy, physical bodies, and then also the money. It's not just the money. And so this one guy, this one servant, this one person went and invested those things and doubled the talents. Same thing with the middle servant. That middle servant went, invested his life, his time, and his energy, and his work, and doubled the amount that was given to him. But the last guy, his theology was off. We'll talk about that in a second. But he was lazy, one. But he also was afraid. And because of what he believed about who God was, or who his master was, his, because his theology, his thoughts about who God was, he, he really did not understand who his master was. And so because of that, because he did not read his Bible, his life was a mess. And some people here today, your life's a mess because you hadn't read the Bible. Your views about God are, are all wrong. And today, maybe you can hear the truth about who He is. And walk out of here with a better aligned the- theology, which will affect your everyday life. So, three servants had an opportunity to be faithful with their talent. So the master shows up. And what does he say? Verse, uh, let's see. Now, so this would be for us, if we're thinking about a whole life, this would be towards the end of your life. You stand before God the Father. You stand before our master in heaven. And so there in verse 20, he who had received the five talents, he came forward bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. Now notice his master's response. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Now I believe it's talking about heaven. I will set you over much. What does that mean? Uh, Does that mean he's getting a mansion? Probably so. Uh, Does it mean he's going to have a new job and responsibility in heaven? Probably so. You know, all the music people are going to have a job in heaven. The preachers really aren't going to have a job. Because everybody's going to know the gospel. Maybe I can serve ice cream or something. But so, uh, he says, I'll set you over much. Now look what happens when the, the next servant comes. Verse 22. And he also who had two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents here. I have made two talents more. And look at his response. Look at the master's response. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Now, if you'll notice, the response of the master is exactly the same for the first two servants. You see, God does not differentiate between what this guy came back with 10 talents and then this servant only produced four. You see, 
the devil whispers, well, you haven't been given as much as so-and-so. Doesn't he do that? Well, you haven't been given five talents. You were only given two, or you were only given one. But see, we all have an equal opportunity to be faithful with what we have been given. And life's too short to worry about what somebody else has been given, because that's not our job. We can't control anybody else. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you glad that you're, you're not responsible for anybody else except for you? Aren't you glad? But the truth is, according to this passage, you are responsible for your own time and body and resources in this life. And God will hold us accountable to how we use those for His kingdom's sake. Now, some people are going to read this passage and say, Pastor, the way I look at that, that I need to take all my money and go down to to, uh, Hollywood Casino. And I'll say, you're reading that wrong. Because if you want to make money, you certainly don't need to do that. You know what I'm saying? Smell what I'm stepping in? You're going to lose money. They're not building these awesome casinos because they're losing money. They're, They're taking everybody's money from them. But you can read this and say, you know what? I think I need to be a little wiser with my investments. I think I need to be a little bit wiser about what house I need to buy. I think I need to take care of my stuff and be a better steward of what God has given me. And and I read through this and I get excited. Because I'm thinking, man, I need to figure out how to make some money. I need to figure out how to use the resource that God has given me to multiply it for the kingdom's sake. To use what we've been given, no matter the amount, and use it for the kingdom. Talents are grace gifts. You notice there, in uh, after the, the Master gave all of these talents, he gave out these things. The Bible says that each was giving to, to each according to his ability. That word ability means capacity or capability. So obviously the first two servants, their theology was right. Okay, They understood who God was. But the third servant, his theology was all, it was, it was way off. You see, the third servant, he thought his master was a severe taskmaster. He thought his master could not tolerate losing any money. Now, we know that the master, how much money does he have? Come on. I mean, he owns the bank. They don't make a word big enough for, for the amount of money. And so his theology, it was, it, was, it was off because he failed to see that this master was gracious. The most gracious being in all the universe. He imagines that his master is unreasonable. 
and wrathful. And I believe it's just an excuse. Because if he really believed his master was like that, then he certainly would have tried to be more useful with his talent. You see, he was just making up excuses. He goes and digs a hole and buries his talent there. He didn't want to lose it, but he also didn't want to work. He didn't want to put in the time and energy and effort to work in the kingdom of God. I was thinking about him burying this money. I thought, you know, this is going to be a lot of money in Southern Baptist accounts that when Jesus comes back, it's just going to be sitting there. Never used for the kingdom. And I'm so thankful that our church decided to operate by faith and to pay off our debt back in February. And we're 100% debt free. And that's by the grace of God. But our church took a leap of faith and said, you know what? We're going to save money. We're going to save thousands of dollars every month. Save hundreds of dollars on interest. And so that takes having faith to go forward trusting the Lord. His theology was off. I've noticed there's three pretty common popular views about God here in the Southern South. Y'all want to hear them? Quickly, I'll go fast. Number one, the errand boy God. That God just exists to go to help me when I get sick and to when I get in trouble to bail me out. And he's my errand boy. He's just he's like my genie in a bottle God. And I would say little G God because this God is not even real. But that's who they think God is. That God exists to give us everything that we ever wanted. People actually believe this. People think like this. And they think that God exists to help us fulfill our dreams and our plans and so that we can be happy and healthy and just everything's wonderful. And and that's why God exists. And I would say that that view of God is, is, is so far off that it's blasphemy. It's an alternate form of deism. That God created everything and then he steps back and then, you know, lets us do whatever we want, however, whenever. And then if we need him, he'll step in and, and come to the rescue. And so I would say that, that view is really not biblical. It, it's, it's very Americanized and it's an alternate form of God that's not even real. And so number two, another view of God that I have noticed is that that people think, and Satan wants everybody to think like this, that God is just an unreasonable taskmaster and that anytime you make a wrong move, he's going to throw a lightning bolt at you. The people think like this, don't they? Why do they think like that? that? That God's just waiting for you to make a mistake. And once again, I think this is an excuse. But that's what people say. They, they think, oh, if God's like that, then I don't have anything to do with that God. And I think people think like that sometimes because there's been so many fathers that haven't been the right kind of father to the children. So many moms and dads that just were unreasonable uh, trying to raise their kids. And maybe they, they just were so overly strict waiting for them to make a mistake or that maybe Satan just took something small and just blew it out of proportion and so that person thinks that God's like that. And that's not who God is. The Bible says that God is slow to anger. He's full of compassion. 
He's good, God. And so the third view, popular, I believe, that thankfully, thankfully, is still pretty popular among the Christians in America, the ones who truly know the Lord, is that God Almighty, He is absolute, He is good, He is great, He is faithful, He is awesome, nobody can stop Him, He exists, even when we don't exist. He he is and always has been and he forever he will be and and we need him a whole lot more than he needs us kind of god faithful the bible says he is love greatest our faithfulness he is faithful when we're not he is faithful all the time he is good He is trustworthy. It is impossible for him to lie. He is awesome. He loves us. He rescues us. He sent his one and only son to the cross to give his life, to be a substitute for us, for our sins, to make a way for us. And so if if you're adopted into the kingdom of God and you know him, guess what? You're forgiven. Past, present, future. You're forgiven. You're set free. You got a song in your heart. Nothing, Nothing formed against you can remain. You live your life not led by emotions and feelings, but you hook your wagon up to the train that's going with the Lord based on fact and truth. Now there in verse 26, the master answered him, this, this is the response to this third servant, and this would, should make us tremble. He says, you wicked and slothful servant." And then he asks a question, and I believe he's hes basically saying, if you really think that I, that's who I was, then why didn't you go and use your life and be responsible with what I've given you? He says, you wicked, slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed, question mark. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. You see the word there. When it says, you wicked and slothful servant. Slothful is the word akneros, and it means to hold back, to hesitate. There's so many Christians today, and you're just, you're holding back, and you're hesitating, and you're afraid to just jump off and trust the Lord totally, because you don't trust Him, or your view of God is just really so far off base, and if you, if you think God's not faithful, and He's not going to take care of you, then yeah, you can, you can live like a hermit and just every day get up and just try to live in an incubated state of life and just not really take any risks for God. And guess what? The demons aren't going to really fear you. They're not going to care about you. They're not going to know your name and they're not going to care what you're doing because you're not going to be a threat to the kingdom of darkness. But if you follow the Lord, the demons are going to know your name. And they're going to be terrified that you might tell somebody about Jesus. And they're going to be terrified that you walk by faith. You see, God rewards those who seek Him. God blesses those who have faith. Faith is what causes us, caused Abraham to be credited to having righteousness. It wasn't because Abraham did so good at raising dairy cows and sheep and all this. And by the way, he did. He was faithful with what he was given. But what made Abraham so special was his faith. 
And God's looking for somebody, somewhere, somehow, to have a little bit of faith. Today is not a day of inaction. Today is a day of action for the church. Do you have any faith in the Lord today? I mean, really, really, really have faith in the Lord. I grew up in central Mississippi in a small country Baptist church, and it was an awesome church. I'm so thankful. They sent me to Bible school and RA camp and all these things and youth camp. And I was so blessed by that upbringing. But I'll be honest with you. I never heard anybody, any adult, tell anybody out in public about Jesus Christ except for my granddaddy and my youth pastor. Now, the way that I thought as a kid, now, if Jesus is the most important thing in your life, if He set you free from all eternity, if He's given you a clean slate, and you're headed to heaven, then you ought to be unashamed of the gospel, if it's real to you. But I didn't see a whole lot of people telling others about Jesus. I saw people giving their money and their lives to things that seemed like they are more important than God's work. And that confused me as a child. And then I went to college and I realized, man, yeah, the gospel is true. And we don't have to be unashamed of the gospel. And we can just loud and proud, unashamed, talk about the Lord. Because He is God Almighty. I was able to preach a wedding yesterday on the, the campus of Ole Miss. And, and I love that school, but also understand that there's a lot of demons all over the place and false gods. And so, man, I talked about the beatdown of Baal on Mount Carmel on the campus of Ole Miss. And I was so fired up, I mean, I could have shouted. God is, He's on the move. He is alive. We don't have to be afraid of the world. And the problem is, is we're, we, we come and we sing about the Lord, victory in Jesus, but we sing it like we lost the victory. And we, we, sing, we, we sing, oh God, have your own way, but really what we're singing is, God, will you let me have my way? And God's looking for somebody, somewhere, to have some faith. To say, I'm going to believe God's word, and I'm going to believe Him with my whole life. I want to give you an example of some teenagers who had a little bit of faith. And some of you have heard this before. But in my student ministry days, I, I, I didn't know a lot, but I just tried to teach teenagers, you know what, God can do anything. God can do anything He wants to do. If you trust Him, if you ask Him. You know, I think a lot of, a lot of people just hear that and say, oh, well, you know, that, that's just f- faintful, wishful thinking. That God can, do. But you read the Bible and you see that God can do anything. People are healed in Jesus' name. Physically. Healed. Supernaturally. So I just, I try to t- teach them, God can do anything. God can do anything. God can, just years and years. And finally, one summer, it, it just clicked for three of them. They came to me and said, hey, school's about to start in three weeks. And we feel like God's given us a vision to, to raise money to purchase Bibles for our school, for our high school. And we feel like God, is, God wants us to share the gospel with every single student at our high school. Now, the high school was South Panola High School in uh, Batesville, Mississippi. Public school. 
public school, I'll say. And so I'm hearing this vision. I said, okay, what kind of Bibles do you want? They said, well, it's an $18 Bible. I'm thinking, $18? I'm just, my wheels are turning. Okay, we can buy like a $5 ESV. We can cut the price in half. And, and I'll never forget the, the whole power of God came, came in that office. And I just felt like the Lord told me, son, shut your mouth. I said, okay. And I felt like the Lord said, I'm about to teach them my power. And so he, I said, well, what's your plan? They said, well... We've already talked to the superintendent. We've already talked to all the principals. And, and we're going to pray that God helps us raise $32,000. I said, you know, three weeks from now, school starts. They said, yeah, we want to do this on the first day of school. I said, okay. Go for it. And you know what happened? They raised $35,000 in three weeks. They organized themselves in such a way... They, they enlisted other students, and they had a plan that was so elaborate and so, so brilliant that only God could have given it to them. I mean, I'm sitting here scratching my head, and I know they're not smart enough to come up with this on their own. And by the way, all three of those kids came from broken homes. They didn't live in the same house with their mom and dad. And so they had it organized. And so the, the five days before school, this, this 18-wheeler came. They had a, a forklift, and they unloaded the, and, and stacked up these huge boxes all down the hallway. Now, they, they wanted Bibles to give to all the teachers and principals and janitors and cafeteria workers as well. And so they went, and they did it. And the, the superintendent gave them... 10 minutes to do it, all of it. And so they organized themselves into pairs, and they would have like two minutes in every classroom. And so the bell rang, and they were ready. And one student would go, and they start passing out Bibles down the rows. And the other kid would walk to the front of the classroom and share the gospel in public school. And they did it. It was a miracle. They came to see me after school, and they, they sat. I remember they just wept. I said, "What did something go wrong? I thought everything was going great. They said, we, you, sh- you should have seen. At the end of school that day, when the, the bell rang, this massive hallway, they said they looked down the hallway, and every single person in that school, 1,300 people, every single person was walking down the hallway with the Word of God in their hand. And every one of them heard the gospel that day. So don't tell me God can't do anything. I'm telling they weren't smart enough to do this. It was God. Now they're pretty sharp. Now a lot of them are IMB missionaries today and they're pastors and dentists and doing all kinds of great things. But you know what? The next week, money kept coming in. And by the way, our church was the largest church in the county, and we gave them a good amount. But you know who really stepped up? All those smaller churches out in the country that had 40 members, 30 people on Sunday morning. Guess what? All those little churches sacrificially gave. When those kids came and spoke to their church, they sacrificially 
pulled out their wallets, went home, wrote a check, and made it happen. So the next week goes by, and money kept coming in. They had like 8000 extra dollars. So they said, we want to set up an account at the bank so that every year, the freshman class from here on out until Jesus comes back, the freshman class at South Manola High will receive a copy of God's Word and hear the Gospel. And so for now, for the past about 10 years, it's still going on. And you know what? Those students, they're gone. They're all over the world, but yet... God's work, because guess what? Those new students have, have to learn, hey, this is what we do every year. You know, we, we've got an account, and it's got a couple thousand dollars, and we keep replenishing it, and it's continuing. To, and so I get a, every fall, I get a text message still when school starts, passing out the Bibles, sharing the gospel, pray for us. They, after they had their account, they put money in there, then they got 5000 more dollars. And they said, what are we going to do? Well, they, they ran into a student at Super Summer at Mississippi College outside of Jackson. And they, she heard their story, and she said, I think I want to do that at my school. And so they said, well, you know what? We've got $5,000 we can give you to help you get started. And so they did. They sent the money to her. She did the same thing at her school in South Mississippi, shared the gospel and passed out Bibles to every single person in her high school. And I believe God is looking for some people somewhere, somehow, that has a little bit of faith. And that word, aknaros, it means to hold back. It means to hesitate. It means to walk by sight. And God's looking for somebody to have some faith that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. So the question is today, how are we going to respond? Are we going to be like the first two servants? who receives what we are given, and then we go and we invest that into the kingdom of God and then watch it multiply? Or are we going to be like that third servant that says, you know what? My view of God is all off. And so that's going to cause me to just hesitate, dig a hole, and just hold on to everything and try to keep everything safe and wonderful. And, and that's not, God's not given glory by a safe life. He's not. Well, He's given some. But He's given a whole lot more glory when we put it all out on the line. And the truth is, He's worthy of our very best. Is He not? Who is this King of glory? The King of kings and the Lord of lords. And one day... You're going to come face to face with this God. Whether you know Him today or not, you will come face to face with Him. And He's going to say, well done, a good and faithful servant. Or He's going to say, depart from me, for I never knew you. And if He says that last part, you're going to go to a place called hell forever. But God does not wish for any to perish, but to all to come to repentance. So right now, if you never receive God, if you never receive this gift of salvation, this forgiveness and grace made possible by the power of the cross, then you come today and you receive Christ. Come just as you are. You say, you know what, Pastor, I've always thought God was like a ready to strike me down, and, and I've never heard that He's not like that. Well, maybe you need to, to realize today, he's, He loves you. 
Jesus loves you. God loves you. He wants to he wants to forgive you and he wants you to have a relationship with him and he wants to show you great and mighty things and he wants you to come and be a part of what he is doing on this earth. Would you do that today? Would you come and give up your life so that you can find it? Find a whole new life? Would you come and receive the Holy Spirit on your life and receive the Christ life and then when you leave out of this place, let let God work through you. It's not that you go and do all these things. We have the helper. We don't have to do anything on our own. If we'll simply come, He will work through us for His kingdom's sake. If you don't know Jesus, I'm going to ask everybody to close your eyes right now, just not because it's super spiritual, but because it helps us focus. If you do not know the Lord today, friend, I want to talk to you about the Lord. I want you to come and and, and you come and receive Christ.